Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, first of all, I think we need to understand that the word justification or to justify means to acquit. It means to acquit. Uh, a very simple way to say that is when, the, when we say we are justified, it is a great way to say that it is to say when I give my life to Jesus and he forgave me of my sins, it's just as if I had never sinned. That's justification. I am justified. I am, it's just as if I had never sinned or just as if I had never failed. And so that would be the outcome of justification. So justify means to acquit. And we are justified or acquitted of the punishment and the constraints of the law according to this, the Word of God says, by faith. Now let's go back to uh, chapter 4 and let's begin in verse number 1 and let's see what brought us to this statement where it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I also think it's important for me to point out this today, that when this book was written, as all of the Bible, when it was written, it was not written in chapters and verses. So there was not a break, really, in the thought process between chapter 4 and chapter 5. So the writer didn't say, okay, we're done with chapter 4, now let's do verse 1 of chapter 5. It didn't happen that way. This was like an essay. It was a letter, an essay, it was an epistle, however you want to say it. So uh, that, I think, is important. Verse number four, or chapter number four, verse number one, it says this. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified or acquitted by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. So when we look at this passage of scripture, we immediately begin to realize that God is addressing justification by works versus justification by faith and grace. And so what is saying here is in verse number two, if he was justified by works, he, he has something to glory about, but he can't glory before God. It's almost like saying, well, you know, I did something wrong and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go make that right and then you can take the credit for making that right. But how many of you know that sometimes in our life we mess up so bad that we can't make it right? Right? That's kind of like these churches that say, I need to be out. We're going to, you come to our church and you'll be out in one hour. Well, some of us are too messed up. God needs to work on us a little bit longer than an hour. Right? Amen. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and the Bible said, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed God. That's what we have to do. We just believe God. Believe God, and the word of God said it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So in other words, if you're trying to... to to make things right on your own, then there's still a debt. The Word of God teaches us that we are made 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When did that happen? That happened the day that we gave our life to Christ. He washed our sins away. He cleansed us. He washed us away. And he made us brand new again. And so we see there in verses 1 through 5 that Abraham was justified by faith. He was not justified by works. He believed God. And the word of God says that it was counted unto him for righteousness. And then as a cap to that in verse number 4, the Bible says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. Now look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So we're talking about the reward here. Verse number four. Now to him that worketh is the reward. The reward. What is the reward? It's the promise that God gave to Abraham. We are heirs of that promise. Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth, just like Abraham did in verse number 3. Do you see that? It says, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly or acquitteth those that are ungodly. His faith, just like Abraham's in verse number 3, is counted unto him for righteousness. So what the Word of God is saying here in in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and specifically in verses 3 and 5, is what I did for Abraham, I can do for you. And we'll see later the reason is because we are heirs of the promise of Abraham. We are sons and daughters of God, and we are sons of Abraham. Now, they shift gears a little bit. The writer shifts gears a little bit here for the next three or so verses, and it starts talking about David. And it says, even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. You see, David was a recipient of grace before the dispensation of grace. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin or put sin on them. Now, I think it's also important for us to see that David was saying that he was rejoicing because his sin is covered. Now, he's still before Calvary. And before Calvary, sins were covered. After Calvary, sins are gone. We'll say that again. Before Calvary, sins were covered. After Calvary, sins were gone. In the Old Testament law, about a, about a book and a half of, of the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, they would bring lambs and they would slay that lamb and that lamb, it, its blood would cover the sin of Israel for the entire year. When Jesus went into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for us in the book of Hebrews. The Bible tells us this. He entered in one time as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world and he sprinkled the blood of Calvary upon the mercy seat and the Bible said that he entered in one time. The reason he entered in one time because it wasn't necessary for him to go anymore. And the veil in the temple was written twain from the top to the bottom. And listen, I submit to you, that's not to let God out, but that's to let us in. Because of the blood of Jesus. So we see here in verses 6, 7, and 8 where they're talking about David experiencing the covering of sins and how that was wonderful and how that he was talking about being blessed and how that he was made righteous without works and blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not re-impute sin. And so it's talking about that. But I want, you to, I want you to understand that we're in a different time here today. We are in a time 
where our sin is not just covered, our sin is washed. It's cleansed. And the Word of God says He remembers it against us no more and He removes it as far as the east is from the west and He remembers it against us no more. Now, we go on and, and so then they start talking a little bit about the law. See, here's the thing. Now, now just let me kind of, I touched it a couple of weeks ago, but I want to touch it again. There's so many people, they say, well, I'm a New Testament Christian. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you don't need the Old Testament? That's not true. Well, we're not under the law. Well, if you think the entirety of the Old Testament is the law, you are sadly mistaken. There's only about a book and a half of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, that's the law. The children of Israel lived under the law, but there's a lot of other books. And I mean, there's the kings, there's the judges, there's the major and the minor prophets, there's the books of wisdom. They're all, don't throw the Old Testament out because you want to say, well, I'm not living under the law. And, and you know, people, and, and here's the favorite statement for people. Well, I'm not, you know, tithing was under the law. Tithing was way before the law, baby. Was it under the law? Sure it was because it continued through the era of the law. But if you think you're going to get out of having to obey God in that area because you're going to say, I'm not under the law, then you are showing that you are a theological novice. Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. And that was way before the law. That was established. And so it goes on through. But that's what people use that as an excuse. And they use it for an excuse for all kinds of things. Well, I'm not, that's just Old Testament. That doesn't apply to me. What you smoking? <laughs> You've been a little too heavy into the wacky tobacco. I'm telling you, this is, this is Pasco County, okay? There are a lot of things that's in the Old Testament that apply to you. Because you are a friend of God, you're an heir of God, you're a son of God, and you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. So we see here verses number 9, verses, let's start in verse number 9 and we'll try to get through this. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, that's talking about the Jews, or upon the circumcision also, that's talking about the Gentiles. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision, living by the way the Jews do, or in uncircumcision, which means living the way the Gentiles do. And here's what the Bible says, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. For he received the sign of circumcision, which was a seal of the righteousness of the faith which we had yet, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So what this was saying was Abraham was made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus before he practiced Jewish law. Amen. That's what that's saying. So, so, so the Jews, they were running around and they were saying, you know what, yeah, this only applies to Jews. You know, Abraham was our father and this only applies to Jews. Well, the Bible said that the blessing came upon Abraham before the Jewish law was ever established here. And then the word of God says he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, here we go, which he had yet being uncircumcised. So he had that before. Because here's the thing. No, never mind. That's too graphic. That he might be the father of all them, here we go, that believe. 
though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also, so that he might be the father unto all them that believe. Verse number three, the Bible said that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse number five, the Bible says that, that he justified the ungodly and by faith counted them for righteousness. And then in verse number 11, the Bible says, and verse number 12, the Bible talks about how that Abraham becomes the father to all of them who believe. So, that means the Jews and the Gentiles alike. So there are some people that say, well, you know, all of these blessings just belong to Abraham. According to the word of God, the blessing that was on Abraham belongs to us also. It belongs to us also. Now, let's continue on. The father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision, but all, who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. Verse 13. For the promise, now here we go, here's the promise. This is the promise. This is the blessing of Abraham. This is the promise that we have. The promise that God gave to Abraham and promised it to his seed. We're the seed of Abraham. Here's what it says. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Look at your neighbor right now and tell them, you have a right to believe. I have a right to believe. You have a right to believe. We all have a right to believe. We have the promise that God gave to Abraham inside of ourselves. We are the heirs of the world simply because we believe. It wasn't imputed because of the law. It was imputed because people believed. For if they which are of the law be heirs, Faith is made void and the promise made of none effect because the law works wrath for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. This might be a little bit deep for some of you, but for some of us that are really getting it, this is cranking our motors because we realize that there is a level of living that we can achieve where the blessing of God can come upon us and we can live in that blessing, the blessing of provision, the blessing of healing, the blessing of possession. What is that blessing? Is that blessing says this, I'll give you houses that you did not build. I'll give you lands that you did not buy. It's the blessing of the Lord. Amen. That's good, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. Some people say to me, sometimes they'll say, well, sometimes you just get over into that prosperity preaching. Yes, sir, I do. Why? Because it's in the Bible. If you don't want, if you don't want any messages on money, you're going to have to take about 1,500 scriptures out of the Bible. Jesus talked more about finances than he did Calvary. Then he did the blood. You know why? Because Jesus knew that humanity's hang-up would not be Calvary. It would be their wallet. 
This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. And, and that's what we do sometimes. Well, listen, if we're going to live in the blessing, we don't worry. If God says give it, then we give it because we know that where that came from, the Lord will just give us something else. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we can live in the blessing of Abraham. I'm excited that I have a right to believe God. I'm excited that it doesn't matter what's happened in my life. My life is not dictated. Your life is not dictated by the circumstances that are around you. Your life is dictated by the faith that is in you. So activate that faith. Get that faith working so it can produce something in your life. The promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise was made of none effect. But the law works wrath. Where no law is, there's no trans there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. And let me say something about grace. Grace is... God's ability to do in you and for you what you cannot do in yourself or for yourself. What you are believing God for, you need to know that God is well able to provide it. Amen. And then the word of God says, to the end the promise might be, be made sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all. Now look at verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calling th calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now let's look at verse number 17. The Bible says, I've made thee the father of many nations. Now this was the father of many nations when Abraham had gotten so old that his body could not produce seed and when Sarah had gotten so old that her body could not produce what was necessary to receive the seed. And Abraham continued to believe God. That was the circumstance. But the truth was, Abraham was living on a word from God. Oh, this is getting ready to get good. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead. That's talking about his old dead body. And calleth those things which be not as though they were. So, so in, even in the midst of his body being dead and Sarah's body being dead, Abraham is walking around saying, I'm going to have a son. I know I'm going to have a son. How come? Because years ago, God said that my seed would be as the sand of the sea and as the stars of heaven, and that can't happen unless I have a son. Yeah, but you're getting pretty old. My goodness, you're 100 years old. What does that have to do with anything? I'm operating on a word from God here. God said... I I'm going to have a son. Yeah, but look at Sarah. My goodness, she's getting old and she's getting wrinkled and she's not as pretty as she used to be. What does that have to do with anything? God said, I'm going to have a son. Where's that son going to come from? Sarah. She's 90. What does that have to do with anything? God said, we're going to have a son. She can't hardly get up. My goodness, when she gets up, she's bent over like this. There's no way she can carry a baby. What does that have to do with anything? Come on, are you getting the point? If God said it, it'll happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
who against hope? The Bible said he believed in hope. Now listen, I want you to see how he's operating this faith. I've taught you a lot about faith. Hope is the blueprint of what you're believing God for. I think Abraham was kind of cruising around through uh, maybe some of his livestock thinking, livestock thinking, you know, uh, that, that, that might make a good diaper. Oh, that, that, that fur there, that looks pretty nice, you know. I mean, and the, <laughs> I'm not going to take that too much farther. But who, <laughs> who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now, here, here it is. Here it is. Are you, are you ready? Are you ready? According to that which was spoken, and then the declaration of faith, so shall thy seed be. The word of God spoken, piercing through the darkness of circumstances enlightening what needed to be light, bringing back to life things that need to be brought back to life so that the seed could be. He was operating according to that which was spoken. Now let me pause for just a few moments and I want to ask you guys a few questions. What has God spoken over your life that's just laying dormant right now? What about the dreams what about the visions? If you were here last Sunday night, and probably about half of you were, I shared with you visions and dreams that God gave me when I was a little boy. And if you weren't here, you just flat missed it. I mean, we talked about, and, and we've seen where we are in that vision right now. But what has God put inside of you that is just laying there? Maybe it's been pushed down and pressed down because of circumstances. Maybe it's pushed and pressed down because of what other people have said about you and over top of you. Let me tell you something. The only thing that you need to pay attention to is what God spoke over your life. And what God speaks over your life will come to pass if you have faith. You see, Abraham had to have faith. Abraham had to believe. He was operating on the word of the Lord. He didn't care what the circumstances said. He didn't care that his body was dead. He didn't care that Sarah's body was dead. He didn't care about any of those things. He was operating on the fact that God had said that he would have, that his seed would be the father of many nations. That he would be the he was and and so he's walking around and he's walking around in the word of God and every time somebody would say something negative well I know what God said and that's what I'm standing and, and there came a time when God said seed be seed be because he looked down and imputed his belief for righteousness he put righteousness upon him right living produces Life. Being, verse 19, not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was a hundred years old, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's wombs. womb. Now look at verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith giving glory to God. 
There were people around him staggering all the time. They were trying to figure out other ways. They were trying to help God out. We won't go down that road. We don't have time this morning. But they were trying to help God out. But the word of God says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. And how did he not stagger? He was just strong in faith and he was constantly giving glory to God. Well, yeah, but, but look at your body. Look at Sarah's body. Yeah, but wait till you see the baby. Come on now. You're not going to make me stagger. You're not going to make me waver. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. It's not going to happen. I know what God said. I know what God spoke. It doesn't matter what the circumstances say. I know what God said. Let, let, let God be true and every man a liar. I know exactly what the, I know what God said. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but wait till you see the baby. Well, I, you know, yeah, there's just, I, I think you're just losing your marbles. You're getting so old that you're losing your marbles. Wonder if he's going to have curly hair. He wasn't giving room to it. Don't give room to the doubters. Don't give room to the naysayers. Don't give room to the people who want to prejudge you because of the life that you lived before. They're judging you based on who you were. God is judging you based on the vision that he's put inside of you and the power and the anointings and the mantles that he's putting inside of your life. Buck up. Pull your shoulders back. Get your head back up and realize God spoke something over me and I'm not going to stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. I'm going to believe it because I'm going to force myself to see it. Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> this just keeps getting better and better and better and better. You ready? Here you go. So he staggers not at the promise of God. This is verse 20, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Verse number 21. Now, the word of God already said that he staggered not at the promises of God. That, that should be enough, right? But I think God was trying to get a point across. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded. So he staggers not because he's fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised God was also able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. This is why. This is why righteousness was put on him. Because he didn't stagger at the promises of God. He was fully persuaded. He lived in faith. He operated in faith. And then verse 23, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. Look at this. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. What this scripture is saying is the same God that woke up Abraham's dead body that produced seed and the same God that woke up Sarah's dead body that produced that which was necessary to receive that seed which resulted in the birth of a baby who became the heir of Abraham and became the, the father of many nations. What it's saying is if we have that kind of faith that, that, that raised Abraham's body from the dead and we take that kind of faith and we put it to Calvary. Look here, verse number, verse 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
Now, without me getting too deep into this, we just need to understand that there are places in the Scripture where God calls Jesus the firstborn among many brethren, where the Bible calls him the seed of David, and the Bible calls him the seed of Abraham. Jesus was not buried in Joseph's borrowed tomb. Jesus was planted in the womb of the destiny of the church. And when Jesus came out of that grave, the church was born. So, So the Bible says that now there are many sons and many daughters. And that's why the Bible says that he's our elder brother. He was the firstborn among many brethren. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He was His only begotten Son when He was given. But there are other places in the Scripture now where the Bible says that there are many sons who are begotten of God. Why? Because Jesus was the seed of the church that was planted in the womb called the tomb and when he came forth he came forth with great power and great glory and he birthed the church he birthed the church he overcame death and he overcame hell and he overcame the grave and so then he tells them he says go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father what was that promise the Bible said in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth it was the promise to have the anointing through the Holy Spirit to be able to reproduce after your kind so in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people. The Holy Spirit in the New Testament comes into people. So the Holy Spirit came into the church corporately. Peter stands up and he preaches that Jesus came, Jesus was crucified, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose, Jesus ascended, and Jesus is coming again. And 3,000 new sons are born into the kingdom of God. In the first six months of the church at Jerusalem, history tells us, church history tells us that there were over 60,000 people that gave their life to Jesus and Pastor John Polycarp was their pastor who was later burned at the stake for his faith. The point that I'm trying to make to you this morning is you've got to believe God. When you believe God, good things happen. When you believe God, then things that God has placed inside of you from years and years and years ago, they come to pass. You start feeling them stirring. I want want to encourage you to start dreaming again. Start believing again. Start trusting God again. I want to encourage you to do that. Now let's just finish up here. The Bible said, But for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. So... We, we can have the faith that Abraham had if we believe in the resurrection of Jesus who was delivered for our offenses. Now look at this. This is key. Jesus who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our acquittal, for our justification, for our acquittal. Therefore, 
in light of all of this in Romans chapter 4, in light of all of this, therefore, being justified by faith or acquitted by faith because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, therefore, being justified or acquitted by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the interpretation of that peace there, the the definition and interpretation of that is nothing missing and nothing broken. So, being acquitted by faith, we have nothing missing and nothing broken through God because of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, are we going to believe that or not? Because whether or not we believe it or not determines on whether righteousness will be imputed to us, which will cause us to live the lifestyle that we can receive if we believe. Now let's look at verse number 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So we have access by that justification, by that faith, by that believing. We have access by faith into that grace wherein we stand. So we have access into God's abilities for us. Isn't that amazing? If we just believe God, then God gives us access to what heaven has to offer. If we, if we just believe God, then, then we have access to the ability of God. God will, go to, God will go to war for us. He'll fight for us. And then the Bible says, into that grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And once again, hope is the blueprint of what you're believing God for. So, I have access by faith into the ability that God has for us and I'm rejoicing in that which I'm believing God for because I have the blueprint in my spirit. I see it. And if I see it, I can receive it. Because if I see it, I can believe it. And if I can believe it, I can receive it. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, you are justified by faith. That is, that is what you call an expository session on preaching. It's expository preaching, just going verse after verse after verse after verse. I know we do it different sometimes, but we needed to just go right down through chapter 4 so we could get to verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5 to realize what it means when the Word says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What it means is we have the blessing of Abraham on our life if we believe. Amen? Amen. I didn't confuse anybody today, did I? If I did, write me an email and I'll try to clear it up. I love the word, don't you? Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.